Good evening and welcome to Matters of Life. I'm John Lucier, and I'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining us on this episode as we continue to discuss discipleship. It's incredibly important in the body of Christ. We are to be discipled to Christ. In there, about a couple weeks ago, we were talking about the Lord's thoughts and his view on discipleship and what that means. It's something that he talked about often during his earthly ministry. And it gives insight as to why he was here on earth. Yes, of course, the obvious is, well, it's to redeem us from death, sin, and the curse. And yes, that happened. And we saw that. But there were more reasons why. And part of that comes, he said it himself, in discipleship. Let's look at uh, Matthew 10, 34 through 38. In what the book of Matthew records as Jesus' thoughts on discipleship, or what he says the meaning of discipleship is, he, gives, he makes this um, incredible statement. He says, Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. Now, there's a lot in there. Because it seems to differ on the surface from what much of what Christ's ministry is about, or people's perception of his ministry. And yes, we know God is love. So we see the love component. It says constantly, throughout the scriptures, when Jesus or before Jesus healed someone or, or moved on their behalf, it says how he felt compassion for them. And it, all that is true. But let's look at what Christ does. And he says this similarly to what Matthew described in Matthew 10 in Luke chapter 12. We'll begin in uh, verse 49. It says, I have come to cast fire upon the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. But I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it is accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to grant peace on the earth? I tell you no, but rather division. From now on, five members and one household will be divided. Three against two and two against three, they will be divided. Father against son and son against father. Mother against daughter and daughter against mother. Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. And daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. And all of that is incredible. Because, now let's understand something else about the Lord. The Lord's consistent. And he said very plainly, I, in this, I did not come to grant peace. But Jesus also said, Peace I leave you, 
or my peace I leave you. Not as the world gives peace do I give you peace. So we have to understand, and it should give us insight into what the Lord is doing. And it's twofold. So we have to understand this about the Lord. He loves us. Yes, he intends and he purposes, as our Heavenly Father to, to, uh, does also, to bless us. To shower us with blessings. And it says very plainly, he rains down blessings upon both the just and the unjust. But there's a, another interesting component here. Because he says, I came to cast fire down upon the earth. And how I wished it were already kindled. So what could the Lord be talking about? Now, there is a, an important element and aspect that we must understand. And it is what is happening now. Now is a separating between those that are refined and those that have endlessly, or seem, appear to be, Endlessly refining, but never scrape off the dross. That is the point and purpose of the fire. There are those that said, Lord, I'm yours and I'm following you. And yes, we all love it when the Lord blesses us. He rains down his blessings upon us. Let's consider ourselves, if you will, because you see this throughout scripture, trees. The Lord says of his people, they will be like, Oaks of righteousness or trees planted by streams of, wa of water. David has even said of himself, I'm like a green olive tree planted in the house of the Lord. Trees all love when they are watered. When the Lord rains down blessings upon us. And or when someone else utilizes their faith to stand with us or intercede on our behalf. to pursue the Lord like their life depended on it, to receive the plan, the strategy, to be used for deliverance, to set captives free, heal the sick, open the eyes of the blind, so on and so forth. And I'm not saying that to downplay it, but there are so many things and ways, and we all love that. And it's easy for people to receive and appreciate that blessing. But the Lord does things differently. Those are apps, those are blessings indeed. But let's let's compare it to boot camp, if you will. And I say boot camp because it's a starting place and everybody that ever enters the military is required to go through some form of boot camp. It's kind of specific to their branch. But it's a generalized, here is what needs to happen. Here are the basics that you need to learn to function inside this military. Now make no mistake, the Lord is building up an end-time army. And what happens? Heat is applied. Pressure, if you will, is applied. And in so doing, all these things that many show up with, preconceived notion, ideas, 
things that they hold near and dear to themselves. And I'm not talking about their family necessarily. I'm not talking about what area they come from. But those all happen to come with them also. They represent what area they're from, their city, their state. There's a sense or an element of pride that comes from that. Who they know, how tough or strong they think they are. Different groups or what they did, they, they hold all these things to be of value. And not unlike what the Lord is saying about discipleship, is that those things need to be removed. Because that's not what being in the military is about. There's a a refining that needs to happen with the Lord and his, I'll say, well, not the Lord, but his people. And that's what the Lord is doing. Now, I brought up about a, a refining, and we see that in the book of Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 6, the Lord says, starting in verse 27, the Lord says this to him, I have made you an assayer and a tester among my people, that you may know and assay their way. All of them are stubbornly rebellious, going about as a talebearer. They are bronze and iron. They, all of them, are corrupt. The bellows blow fiercely. The lead is consumed by the fire. In vain the refining goes on. But the wicked are not separated. They call them rejected silver because the Lord has rejected them. And this is an important concept for us to get. The Lord not only rains down his blessings on us, but he also refines us. He approaches our discipleship from both ends of the spectrum. Just like for those in boot camp. They are blessed. They don't even see how blessed they are yet. Because while they're there, yes, they are still getting paid. And there are a number of other blessings and benefits that come as a result of people volunteering and stepping in. Both for themselves and their families and and the like. But then there's also a refining that has to happen. And you will find, just like with metal, heat is applied. And as the heat continues to be applied, those impurities, those things that would weaken the metal, come up to the surface. There is dross, what's known as the dross, and it contains the impurities and just sits there and boils up at the top. And it must be scraped off. Because if the heat is allowed to, I don't want to say dissipate, but is turned down, those impurities sink right back into the metal. Somewhere into the metal. Which, God forbid, but let's just say someone makes a weapon out of that. The worst time to find out that the metal has impurities and is weak is while someone is in battle and is depending on that weapon to utilize it to help bring about the victory. So it's important for us to ensure that we can be used of the Lord, that there are no impurities. And I bring up the tree aspect because 
John the Baptist, during his ministry, says something very distinct. And this is in Matthew chapter 3. We'll begin in verse 7. It says, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not suppose that you can say to yourself, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you, from these stones, God is able to raise up children of Abraham. And then he, he says this in verse 10. The axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, some of you may be thinking, John, that, that doesn't make sense. You're, you're talking about there already being a fire, and the fire is causing refining. But now you're talking about trees. Well, fire is horrific for trees. Well, yes, for obvious reasons. But let's go back to the first example here, right? And we're talking about the Lord raining down blessings, pouring out blessings upon us that we also find it easy to receive, and we enjoy receiving those blessings and benefits. It's not difficult to receive those. But there's another aspect here. John the Baptist was saying the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Understand that for a moment. Because I don't know of anyone who, when they chop down a tree, begins at the roots. Anyone that chops down a tree with an axe leaves a stump. So it denotes two things. One, that the Lord has already dug down into the soil and exposed the roots. Now we are called, yes, to be rooted and grounded in the Lord. But there are things in our lives that we have held dear, that whether we knew it or not, we're not of the Lord do not reflect his nature, character, and attributes in our life. And those things need to be uprooted and replaced with truth. I said very plainly, the axe is laid at the root of the trees, which means those, those things have been exposed. And this is the, I'll say, the two-pronged method, if you will, or the Lord approaching this from both ends of the spectrum. One is in the blessings, it's in the good, it's in all this <clears throat> things that we easily and enjoy and appreciate about the Lord and love to see when he pours out these blessings on our lives. But the other is about the, the things that we don't appreciate so much, the things that make people discomfortable or uncomfortable. Those things being exposed so they can be dealt with. So those roots that are not of him and not in him can be uprooted. Now here's the thing, what many don't understand or don't appreciate about the refining is both the blessings raining down on our lives and when those things that in the refining process 
are removed, those impurities, those things that would only detract and harm the plant are removed, the tree are removed. They produce the same blessing and benefit in our lives. All those blessings and benefits that are poured out on us, that we so readily accept and re- or receive and accept, accept and receive, those things that we value and appreciate so much are a blessing, a help for our life. We are strengthened, we grow, it brings joy. Well, by having all those impurities removed, it also helps us to grow, to become stronger. It is a blessing and a benefit for our lives. Look at the Lord in his ministry. He said very plainly, and if you really study it out, he did not just take care of the individual's physical issue. He also ministered to them, taking care and ministering to their spirit, soul, and body, that we would be without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. Well, they, but also for us today, would be without spot, blemish, or wrinkle before our Heavenly Father. That is impossible if we do not let the Lord refine us. And the refining is not to go on endlessly. It's to actually scrape that dross that contains those impurities off of the top, to actually remove those things from our life. This is part of, if you will, the basic things, the initial things in boot camp. And you'll find that there are many that that end up do or end up removing those things, do end up removing those things from their life. But then there are those that just bury it deeper, try to cover it up, and end up holding on to trying to represent or being proud of not necessarily where they came from and their heritage. That's not what I'm talking about. Alternative things that they stand by as part of their identity. And you'll find that people that hold on to those things don't end up remaining. They get, well, they get into trouble. In the United States, it's the NJP or non-judicial punishment, which ends up, I'll say, phasing them out. And or, it's not that the system is against them, but is against, it is that they end up doing something that caused themselves to be removed from participation it only demonstrated that they were not ready now I know there's a lot to take in with that both from a natural standpoint but also in what the Lord's doing now but let's look all the way back in in Judges chapter 7 talking about Gideon and his 300 now Gideon's army is a if you will, a type and a shadow of the Lord and his end time army. But he says this in there. 
We'll start in verse 2. The Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give Midian into your hands. For Israel would become boastful, saying, My own power has delivered me. Now therefore come, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is afraid and trembling, let him return and depart from Mount Gilead. So 22,000 people returned, but 10,000 remained. So so the size of the force was 22,000 people, and now 12,000 left. And now there are 10,000 people remaining there. But then he says this in verse 4. Then the Lord said to Gilead, or sorry, Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water where I will test them for you there. You, did you get that verse? I will test them for you there. If you study that out, the test or the testing that's happening is that word test means to refine. I will refine their, them for you there, meaning he will separate them. Actually, and he says that for uh, just a little further on. I will test them for you there. Therefore, it shall be that he of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, and he shall go with you. But everyone of whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, You shall separate everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, as well as everyone who kneels to drink. Now the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people kneeled to drink water. And the Lord said to Gideon, I will deliver you with the 300 men who lapped. And I will give the Midianites into your hands. So let all the other people go, each man to his home. Now I'll tell you, that is exactly what the Lord is doing now. And this is incredibly important. There's a, there's a reason why we are called to be discipled and be ready. He says, make ready a people prepared for the Lord. It's what the Lord is doing. Even in this moment, he is, he is refining the people, but he is also separating those who have been refined, who have uprooted those things that don't reflect his nature and character and attributes, those things that are impurities, those roots that needed to be uprooted and replaced with truth from their lives. so that he can bring about the victory. Now he's given time. We read in Luke 12 about how the Lord said what he was doing. I'm going to cast fire down upon the earth, right? That, That refining process. But he also says, in Luke 13, chapter 6, or sorry, Luke 13, chapter 13, verse 6 through 9, he says this, And he began telling this parable. A man had a fig tree, which had been planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and did not find any. Then he said to the vineyard keeper, Behold, for three years I've come looking for fruit on this fig tree without finding any. Cut it down. Why does it even use up the ground? And he answered and said to him, Let it alone, sir, 
for this year too until I dig around it and put in fertilizer. And if it bears fruit next year, fine. But if not, then cut it down. Now the Lord has given time for refining to occur, for people to be built up. And just like any military, there comes a point in time where if people are not ready, they can't go out on the op. They can't be a part of the mission. It's not what the Lord desires, but it's what people chose. And this absolutely matters to us today. Now the Lord says that about even in, in John 15, about he's the vine. And our fathers glorify that we bear much fruit. But he also talks about the relationship with each other, as we were saying earlier. It's not about division amongst the body. Right? He says that he's appointed us to go and bear fruit and then our fruit would remain. And then he commands us that we love one another. But he also says this in verse 22. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. Again, we said this is building on discipleship and on even our last episode, talking about the time and the season we're in, the time to repent, to turn to the Lord. The Lord came here, yes, to, if you will, go through a baptism, as he said in Luke. But he also came to refine us so that we understood what he was doing and what he required. Because it matters to him. He is testing or refining his people, building up and putting together his end time army. A people that will carry out his word as he utters it from his voice. It's incredibly important for us now in the time and the season we're in but also as we move forward. Because yes, the Lord is bringing about our deliverance. So I just want to encourage each of you, while there's still time, to get things right with the Lord, to let Him build you up, to not approach it from our own ways, our own views or thought processes, but let the Lord teach us His ways and His thoughts, what He wants done concerning us and this. He is the one that's bringing about the victory, not us. He's done this throughout the entirety of the word. And he has allowed us to have the opportunity to be a part of this. To move from victory to victory. So I would encourage you to choose today. To make that stand with the Lord and for the Lord. Not of all the other things that we've held near and dear.
you have your own walk and your own race before the Lord. But if we're all just holding fast to him, he will bring about the body. The body will operate in unity and with love for one another. And we, the body, the church, ultimately the bride of Christ, will be ready and prepared. So I want to encourage you. I'll leave you with that. Thank you for joining us. And thank you for choosing to continually stand for righteousness and justice. God bless you.